This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Ridiculous History. It's weird. I'm not Ben Bolin. I'm I'm Noel Brown. Ben usually says a pithy thing at the top of the show, but I'm just not that clever. But I'll tell you what I have here is someone who is that clever, and its name is Christopher Hasiotis, who you know and love. And we always say we have a Christopher-shaped hole in the studio at the end of each episode, and now that hole is filled. Does that mean I'm supposed to say something pithy and, and clever now? You just did. Oh, just, just man. Your presence alone is all the pithiness and cleverness anyone here needs, but give it some time. It'll just come naturally. It'll uh, just so come wait, flowing forth from I you. I think I should what, – so what do I say? I say, I say you're Noel, I'm Ben, and oh, – No, that's all, a different I'm show. Already – Different show. Man. You're talking about I am oh. – we are you are you. This is this is a different show. Who are we? We are Ridiculous History. Oh, great. Didn't Good. I already say that? I'm in the right place. I, I'm glad that you're here because Ben is, uh, as he would say, uh, on adventures yeah, abroad, kicked into and out of whatever, whatever, <laughs> kicked right? into and out of, and I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to spill the tea, as the kids say, about what Ben's up to too much. I will say he is in Japan, um, but he's got some pretty cool stories to tell when he gets back. So I don't want to scoop him on any of that. I think you just spilled the tea. No, I spilled the tea about his location. So you guys can use theater of the mind to. Invent some scenarios mm. as to what Ben may or may not be up to. And that was my segue into today's episode, which is a lot about creating scenarios that may or may not have actually happened uh, and theater of the mind. So that's sort of like um, – well, let me ask you this. Sure. You like fights, right? 
Um, I like you like battles and statistics. Yeah, I like battles. And arguments, uh, yeah. Battles oh, of yeah. The I mind, like debates. Battles yeah. of the wits. I do. I do. Yeah. No, you did this when you were a kid, right? You're a comic book fan, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of came to that later in life, but I think okay. I see where you're going with right. this. Right. So you know, one one sort of schoolyard thing a lot of people dive into is who would win in a fight? Right. Right. Spider-Man versus Superman. Yeah. The Invisible Woman versus Galactus. Invisible Man. Uh, not a superhero. No, you well, sure? Uh, it depends. I mean, are we talking League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Fantastic Four? Exactly. Yeah. It, well, I mean, There's... in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, they superheroify mm-hmm. the Invisible Man, don't they? It is sort of a fantasy mashup of of uh, of powerful people. I would argue that Invisible Man versus Invisible Woman very dull fight. Well, unless you're the Predator. That's right. That's right. Unless you're the Predator, <laughs> and then it's just like watching two hot bodies. Exactly. Hot bodies. Uh, where are you going with this, Christopher? Where are you going with this? What do we what, what do we got going on today? So I wanted to talk to you about another fantasy fight. Yeah. And this is the sort of thing, you know, I mean, fantasy fighting is uh, people probably went all the way back and were like, I bet Galahad could beat Guinevere mm-hmm. in a battle. I bet Galahad he- versus Guinevere? Indeed. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we don't have historical records that go back that far. At least I don't have any here in this drawer. But we do have a really strange instance in recent history of a fantasy battle that was a sort of thing that people would argue about in barber shops, in bars, over a sandwich, over a beer, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali versus Rocky Marciano. Exactly. Who would reign supreme? Right. And uh, this is know, a fight that never took place. It did not take place because these two men, these two boxing champions, were not the same age. They no. were not of the same era. It wouldn't be like arguing who would put on a better show, the Beatles or the Stones. It would be like saying, who would put on a better show, The Beatles or Matchbox 20? Yeah, or and Mozart. We know, the, we know the answer to that. Obviously, Matchbox 20. The Beatles were a notoriously not very good live band. Matchbox 20 wasn't a very good anything. You're band. crazy. What are you talking? It's 3 a.m. I must be lonely. Have I brought enough tangents for this? Uh, have, have we met the tangent quota yet? Oh, no, no, no. That, 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 we have not yet to begin to scratch the surface of tangents that we will scratch in this episode. But let's talk about some superlatives, shall we? Absolutely. The fight of the century, the thriller in Manila, the rumble in the jungle, all of these names for Muhammad Ali these big fights, the big guys. Have you heard of the super fight? Like Superman? Yeah, exactly. Exactly like Superman. No. Yeah, Muhammad Ali fought Superman. In a comic book? In a comic book. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. But no, the super fight Tell me is about it. a fictional fight that took place in 1970 where uh, the aged um, Rocky Marciano was pitted against uh, the fresh out of the clink um, Muhammad Ali, because Muhammad Ali, you see, uh, protested the draft and said that he didn't have any problem with the Viet Cong. Mm-hmm. What he did have a problem with was all these white folks in America that were, you know, booing and hissing at him and like and treating him like persona non grata. So he's like, I, I think I'm just going to stay here. Uh, and he did. He, he got stripped of his title temporarily and thrown in jail. And he got out and needed to make a little extra money. He actually, so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, Let's get to the mastermind behind this fake fight. It was a guy named Murray Warner, who was an ad executive from Miami. Ad executives always have the the big ideas, right? They're all about the, the creative here. So he got really creative and decided that he could use some of this uh, emerging computer technology um, to initially 
Bailey create fantasy fights in the form of radio plays. Sounds exciting. It sounds exciting. It's that theater of the mind, right? Because we know um, that was the way people consumed sports. That's the reason sports commentary exists. Baseball announcers and all of that, they, they paint a picture in your mind. Why couldn't you do that and just make it all up or generate the results from computer algorithms from something called an NCR 315 computer that had 5K, yes, 5K kilobytes of uh, core memory, and it was handmade, um, and it was able to take these stats and create play-by-plays of different sporting events. So you're telling me that in 1970, there was a technology by which we could use digital production methods to create an audio drama of really compelling storytelling. Yeah, but the digital part was really just to create the data, right? It was crunching numbers at this point. It was saying, based on these stats, feed it into this machine, it'll generate you a winner, and it'll generate you, like, these different scenarios, right? NCR, by the way, you know what it stands for? Uh, I don't. National Cash Register, because you may be aware of the NCR company as manufacturers today of ATM machines. Um, But back in these days, they were on the cutting edge of of – Essentially, I guess home computing. This wouldn't have this wouldn't have been attainable to the average person. But I think you found some pretty cool ads from th- not the, exactly the three fifteen, but something around the same time. Let's let's hear what they were promising with these devices. Consider the outstanding features of the Century three hundred. First, the hardware. Century three hundred is an amalgamation of innovative technology in the most advanced systems architecture. Century 300 is composed of four independently functioning units, the memory, processor, I.O. controller, and the operator's communication center. Yeah, those are the NCR machines, uh, and they they do make ATMs, um, or ATM machines, as you say, Noel. It's very redundant. It's It's like saying a cheese quesadilla. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's not right. It's like saying... Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer. Like, you just know. It's, you do you know. Don't, you don't need to say it. The his, uh, his autobiography is called The Greatest, My Own Story. Well, you know why. Yeah. Because he's the greatest. He's the greatest. He gets, he gets that title. Um, now, these were not home computers. I mean, we got to remember this is still back in the day of, like, punch card computing. So what Warner did was he basically reduced uh, some of the greatest boxers in the history of of the sport, 16 different fighters, um, to little cutouts on these punch cards. Just basically listing out their statistics. This one has X agility. This one has X yeah. power. Almost like a, like a little more advanced version of D&D, you know, where you're rolling mm-hmm. the, the however many nerd-sided dies we're <laughs> talking about here. Yeah, or, or on the back of those, uh, you know, since we started talking about comic books earlier on, they were in the 90s, they were really popular, the sort of like baseball cards, but for superheroes, you exactly. think like, okay, well, Spider-Man can jump this high, but yeah. Superman can leap tall buildings. That's or, right. You know, so. Plus or minus different stats, mm-hmm, different character mm-hmm. stats. So very much, I mean, I, I don't know if, I hopefully, hopefully I'm not oversimplifying this too much, but that was the idea. And I think they, you're talking about a computer with, with five kilobytes of memory. Oversimplification is. It's, I think <laughs> it's you're simple. right. It's, it's the name. It's the name of the game here. So with this data, uh, Warner was able to generate 15 matches and have them uh, voiced essentially as though they were real. It makes sense. It's theater of the mind. There's no. Uh, there's nothing stopping you. If I had the voice of a radio announcer and I knew how to talk about a baseball game, I could 
fake a baseball game with you right now. Did we? I think we just invented a new podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we should just pitch this to our bosses, right? I think that's a great idea. We just recreate uh, classic sports matchups mm-hmm. of which I am at a loss to name because exactly. I am not but it's a it's an fan. alternative history version of these sports matches well right? it's interesting that you mentioned alternative history because uh, Warner also he saw a much bigger potential for this process I'm it wasn't so just about said, sports yes no what did he say? there's a quote from him that is mind-bogglingly uh, brazen and just full of hubris as though he had figured out the most amazing thing in the history of entertainment. Yeah, Warner had really, really high thoughts. Uh, There was a piece from Sports Illustrated where he's quoted as saying, we could do more than sports, much more. Wars, Hitler's Germany against the Roman Empire, Napoleon versus Alexander the Great. How about election campaigns? George Washington versus Franklin Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln against George Wallace, and debates? Socrates takes on Karl Marx, Thoreau against Jean-Paul Sartre. Why not? Why not? Why not? Indeed. I'll tell you why not. Because this is so reductive, right? Because like at least with a thing like boxing, you kind of can match up stats, and that sort of makes sense. But like with a debate or like a poetry slam or something like that, that all comes down to individual creativity and like coming up with the right words that are actually better as opposed to like, you know, boxing and just someone being able to – I'm not saying that like – Sports aren't don't have an art form to themselves, but it's a lot easier to crunch some numbers and say who's going to win in a boxing match than it is a debate or like some kind of philosophical argument. You well, know? it's interesting because I think – and I've heard – you know, we work in a creative industry and I've heard this from a lot of people both in, in podcasts but also people we know who work in, in film and radio and television. And, you know, they'll come up with a really creative, compelling idea for a, for a new show, a movie, and they'll pitch it to the studios. And the studios will say – no, we're in the digital age. Everything's internet. We have statistics and analysis for everything. So we'll run the numbers and this movie will not appeal to the right people in the right amount of time for the right season. And so it won't make money and it's not worth doing. And I think there's this idea that hanging things on numbers and analysis and and that sort of data-driven model is a new thing and it's it's a woe of our current age. But Go back to the 70s, and we're already doing it. This is not even the 70s yet. This is like 68, 69 right, yeah, when this, this is, is happening. This is, this is yeah, the this turn. Is even before. Yeah, it's know. crazy. And you're right. I mean, not to get too off the off the, the rail here, but like Netflix, I mean, they live and die by the algorithm, dude. Like they all of that the, that data that we're feeding Netflix, they use that to choose what kind of thing they're going to make. I live and die by the Netflix algorithm. I think, every I think night. we all do. Dude, <laughs> usually I, it's falling asleep on the couch by the Netflix algorithm. But I, I don't know how to pick anything on Netflix anymore because it's trying to cater to me so hard that it's literally giving me like nothing that I want to see. I don't know how that, that makes any sense at all, but like I, I just scroll through Netflix thumbnails infinitely and never actually pick something and just end up re-watching The Office. Mm-hmm. That's because I know it's, you know, but and that's not even going to be on there for very much Tragedy longer. of choice, right? It is the tragedy of choice, but we digress. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. 
It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Just to get back to those stats and what those factors would have looked like, they had 58 different factors. That's not even that many, considering. Um, but it was things like we're talking about, like speed, uh, a, you know, probability of injury, um, how strong a left you can throw, et cetera. And even things like, uh, I love this Guardian article, again, uh, characterizes as the sublime. Um, hardness of punch, killer instinct, and courage. I wonder how many people had to contribute to say, like, you know, I, I think this guy's got a seven killer instinct and people say like no 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 that's an eight that's much more like you look eight. at that instinct for sure it's absolutely it's absolutely killer so this is a thing that starts happening and he uh assigns um these 16 fighters you know number values so rocky marciano is uh number zero zero four and uh jack dempsey another classic boxer zero zero two and in the 13th round of these uh these matches that we're talking about um it it has rocky marciano knocking out jack dempsey so Muhammad Ali was also part of this group of fighters that, that Warner had put together, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. And what, what happened with him? So he was pitted against a guy named Jim Jeffries, who Ali had openly, just because we know Ali was known for his, uh, his quick wit and trash mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and this was no exception. He very openly trashed uh, Jeffries as, quote, history's clumsiest, most slow-footed heavyweight. Um, so he was none too pleased when the old NCR 315 uh, said that Ali 
would have lost in a quarterfinal round to uh, this um, this man he characterized as being uh, a pretty slow, bad boxer because, you know, Ali was known as being super quick on his feet mm-hmm. and, you know, the greatest, like we said. So he actually takes it a step further. He's not doing particularly great money-wise because he got stripped of all his stuff and he was in jail and he definitely, like, was not at his peak at this point. So he probably maybe, I mean, I don't know, I'm speculating here, but sought out this as an opportunity to to make a little cash and get back on his feet. So he actually sues Warner. Yeah, I, I think it, I mean, I obviously cannot put myself in the mind of Muhammad Ali, but, you know, in addition to the cash issue, like this is, this is a man who rightfully so had serious pride. Yes, You know, like yes. he, he was the his greatest. His reputation was everything. the greatest. Yes, for sure. You know, so, and he had just been dinged by the government. You know, he'd been, had all these issues regarding his um, his stance on the war. And then the next thing he knows, this computer is saying that he would lose to, to Jim Jeffries? Yeah. Like it's an outrage. So I, I think probably, you know, he – so he approaches Warner with a $1 million lawsuit. Defamation. Saying that he was defamed. Right. And yeah, that gets to the heart. It's it's defamation. It's misrepresentation of himself and his character and his his abilities. First of all, not to mention, like again, a lot of these stats that we're talking about, highly speculative, right? I mean, fifty eight individual components. These simulations, uh, utter fiction. Would wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah. And again, it's it's late sixties. This is very very primitive computing. Very primitive. Yeah. Um, but Warner, not primitive. He's a pretty adept businessman. He's mm-hmm. an ad guy. He knows he, what's up. He figures out a way out of this lawsuit. So he says, all right, Muhammad Ali, you're suing me for a million dollars. I love this. But what about this instead? And and that's always the fun part. You know, when you're like, I'm just going to propose an alternate route. Yeah. And this alternate route was for Warner to pay Muhammad Ali $9,999, a dollar less than 10K, to film this fantasy fight. And, it, and the thing about this is what a great opportunity to take this computer radio simulation and put it on film. Mm-hmm. That was kind of taken into the next level. They hadn't done any of these yet. Yeah, and, and he said, Muhammad Ali, how would you like to fight Rocky Marciano? At the time, it's 1970. Muhammad Ali is in his early 30s, which, you know, it's not too old, but uh, as yeah, a but boxer. That's like yeah. long in the tooth, right? Yeah. And Marciano certainly was not ready for, for fighting. He was 50 years old that's at right, the time. That's right. Uh, he had made a career as a, a sausage and Italian food impresario, right? Um, I think he had been out of the game for about 13 years, um, had not been exercising, had gotten quite paunchy, uh, was balding, did not have a very good back from years of, you know, abuse in the ring, I'm sure. But he had made quite a living as a TV presenter. He had all these product endorsements, had a chain of restaurants, a sausage factory. Um, he had even like tried his hand at being a referee. And he he wasn't uh, against doing this. And there's a great uh, there's a great story about how in the same Guardian article uh, about how he was a was a notorious cheapskate. He like would do that trick that I never thought was really real where you take a wire and attach it to a coin and put it in a payphone and then fish it back out, you know? And he apparently like his business manager characterized him as being just like addicted to cash, whereas he would write checks for 50k like it was nothing, but if he had 20 bucks in his pocket, he would do everything he could to hold on to that 20 bucks because he grew up in a different era where cash was king. Yeah, I mean, right? think about Marciano, right? He was born in, in the early 20s, um, so he grew up in the height of the Depression, you know, working probably black markets to sure. to find things for his family as a kid. 
And that stays with you when you're that young. Um, but yeah, he he really branched out after his boxing career kind of wrapped up. Uh, it's it's really interesting. This has a lot of parallels, both both Marciano's story and then kind of what we're going to get into with Rocky Balboa, who is a fake hero, but a hero nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can we can get back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Shortly. Let's talk about this video because it's. It's really, really creative. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me, I was talking to super producer Casey Pegram, who I did not shout out at the beginning of the show. I, uh, I think my presence here ruined things. It, it, it really threw off the vibe. Too we're many also, no, We're also in a different studio. I want to be very clear. There are multiple reasons why I forgot to do that. But yes, uh, I was talking to our super producer, Casey Pegram, um, about how the way this was filmed kind of reminds me of some of those um, early fighting games like Mortal Kombat, where they actually have actors in costumes playing out all of the different move scenarios and then they map it to video or I don't know exactly how they do it but Casey could probably like explain it but I don't think he's recording his mic. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm recording. Oh, but... sweet. So how do they do that, Casey? Like in Mortal Kombat where they're shooting profiles of fighters, you know, dressed like Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Yeah, I think, and... they, I think they used to call that motion capture. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it's literally like point a camera at a surface that is like a green screen mm-hmm. or a black screen or whatever and just, yeah, do all the, do all the moves and then that turns into like a limited number of frames because they didn't have enough memory in early video games to like ingest all that stuff. Casey on the case. And similar to that, I mean, you've also got video games like uh, Dragon's Lair, which was sort of a... a Choose your own adventure. Exactly. And I I think this Rocky Marciano, Muhammad Ali fight is sort of a halfway in between those two. Because So what Warner does is he gets Marciano and Ali into the studio, which is a boxing ring, and films them going through all the different possible punches, uh, dodges, ducks that you could come across in a boxing match. And then matched it up to the audio track that was generated from the stats that the computer made for that matchup or whatever, based on uh, both men, I believe, in their prime, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so this is the sort of thing where they shot this on film. Uh, The boxing ring was set against a totally black background, so there are not too many details that would distract, so you could really cut from one punch to the other to make it look as relatively seamless as you can. I mean, you can see it now. Yeah, and, uh, it's all over the internet. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll share a link to this on the Ridiculous Historian's Facebook page. Um, so if you're not part of that group, head on over that way and uh, check out this fight. It looks a little rudimentary to us now, but at the time, it was it was somewhat groundbreaking. It absolutely was. I mean, you can see the cuts. The continuity isn't great, but like you said, because of the fact that they made the background so simple, it isn't as distracting as one might think. And they're literally recreating with these uh, series of kind of pre-planned scenarios of them going through the motions of what would happen, what could happen in a fight. Uh, They recreate that um, algorithmically, I guess for lack of a better term, generated uh, fight. Yeah, and Noel, you've talked a lot about theater of the mind, but I mean, this was just actual theater, Mm -hmm. just pure theatrics uh, on film they wanted to make themselves look good. Uh, so Al- Muhammad Ali, who had at the time had took on a little bit of a paunch, he lost about 45 pounds getting ready for this. But at the same time, he was still a little flabby. Rocky Marciano, on the other hand, you know, he's, he's pushing 50 years old. He had on a toupee. 
to try to recapture that that younger look, but uh, it wasn't quite real. No, it wasn't. But again, it was. Uh, you got to give him an A for effort because it really. I mean, I'm not a huge boxing guy. I know I'm, I'm not any kind of boxing guy, so I don't even know what these dudes really looked like in their prime. And I was looking at them like they didn't look like two over the hill has beens to me. It looked like it looked like two pretty strong dudes that were you know cut out to to be matched up against each other. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence, and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in, and then I can track their progress to and from their. Destination. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it.、Mm-hmm. And here's how it works: when your teen requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated, experienced drivers, and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right, pin verification. In fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle, live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get forty percent off. That's up to fifteen dollars off three Uber Teen rides, valid for the first thirty days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been! <laughs> well,、uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben. Our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many. Different ways. They've got the、uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising, one with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people. And more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So we've got this. We've got this、um, filmic event, and it was actually shown in movie theaters. And apparently, some of the edits、uh, or the segments that they that they created, because、um, I would imagine too, they they knew in advance what the outcome was going to be. They knew in advance what the play by plays were going to be. They must have done some work of actually recreating some of those things 
you know, to match with what was in, in, in the audio. And apparently some of them, they did such a good job that they don't even have any edits. So there's no cuts. They go, they go along perfectly with yeah, the commentary. It, it, looks, it looks great. So January 20th, 1970 is when the super fight aired in cinemas. Uh, there were a thousand cinemas in the U.S. and 500 more across the world, Canada, Europe, Mexico, a couple other places. And people could go sit in the theater and really just witness to what at that point had just been pure fantasy, pure speculation. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of like what we get into now with all these uh, superhero crossover movies where in the in the new Avengers movies, you get to see characters from B- Black Panther show up against uh, the folks from Thor and Iron Man and just this sort of mishmash of uh, fan service. And I want to point out, too, I, I, I made a mistake. They didn't know the outcome. They, they, they didn't know the outcome until it came. It, it was on live. So that's why they filmed it in such a way they could piece together those scenarios. So the, 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 the men were not told who was going to be the Oh, winner. right. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was up to the computer. It was up to the computer to, to figure it out. And they had to just like, you know, get as much source material as they could so they could edit it together. Um, and what was the verdict? Well, what happened is on January 20th, 1970, uh, in front of crowds of thousands of people in movie theaters – Rocky Marciano KOs Muhammad Ali. Round 13. So mm-hmm. Ali puts up a good fight, but according to the statistics, according to the computer, it's Marciano in the 13th. Yeah. And, um, you know, Ali, he got himself into this because he felt like he was being defamed from all of this. So this is kind of a, almost a tragic outcome for him in terms of a blow to his ego, right? Uh, that he lost yet again. The computer, um, you know, saw him being defeated again. And he was actually quoted as saying, uh, that computer must have come from Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, implying it, it choosing the, the, white, the white man as the winner. Well, I think the thing about Ali is there's, so many sides to this really compelling man. You know, he he had his public bluster and he had to put up his front. But the truth of the matter is, you know, as much as he said that, oh, this whole thing was a hoax, it was a sham, I never would have lost, blah, 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 um, kind of keeping that that facade up, he and Marciano had actually become good friends during the creation of right. this thing. Like, yeah. they were buddies, you know. They, I think, had that mutual professional respect and then hit it off while making this thing and, and had a blast. You know, one of the ways... Muhammad Ali, though, was able to keep up this bluster and say, oh, I should have won and the computer did me wrong, is, uh, is Marciano wasn't able to say the same thing because uh, Marciano actually died about four or five months before this, um, this fight aired in theaters. Marciano died August 31st, 1969, uh, which is the day before his birthday, actually. Um, he would have been in his 40s. And he was a passenger on a small plane and uh, somewhere in Iowa, bad weather just sent the plane down. So he passed away. Never got to see his victory over Ali, which is kind of a shame, even though it wasn't a real victory. Still might have, you know, instilled a little bit of pride in this guy past his prime. Well, again, the NCR 315 um, that was being lauded by or has, Warner had so much faith in, uh, people and the public is a big part of this. When I say people began losing faith in this computer because, you know, it's easy to get fascinated by the new thing, the hottest new tech or whatever. Even back in those days, this seemed like magic as far as people were concerned. But it, it started making some pretty bunk calls, right? So um, Ali was pretty outspoken as he 
was want to be. Um, and he referred to the outcome of the super fight. You may have said this earlier, Christopher, as a sham and a Hollywood fake. He said all this on the Dick Cavett show. Uh, and Warner was not happy about that because he'd paid Ali the money he he was due. And so Warner uh, sued Ali for $2 million bucks, claiming that another one of these fights fell through because Ali was out there spewing all this hatred and lies. And, you know, how dare you defame my, my, my dear sweet NCR 315? And this one would have been between Sugar Ray Robinson and Marcel Serdin, uh, Casey? Marcel Serdin. Casey on the case. Yeah, because Sugar Ray um, wasn't feeling it. And because, you know, I mean, obviously everyone uh, in the boxing community would have had massive, massive respect for, um, for Ali and would have, you know, taken heed um, if he was talking trash. Uh, and soon... Everyone kind of lost faith in the machine. In 1970, September of 1970, the NCR315, this is the next model, predicted that Joe Frazier would lose to Bob Foster in a real fight. And no one else was feeling that Hmm. because Frazier uh, was outweighed Foster by 21 pounds. Um, and he was like totally in his prime. It was a weird, wonky kind of matchup. And uh, it was just a total, you know, uh, ship show, as we like to say here on Reckless History. That's the thing about sports that's so exciting, right? Is um, it's not just a numbers game. If you could predict the outcome of any matchup by just looking at the statistics beforehand, that would remove any magic from the scenario. Yeah. Right? That's not why you watch a game. You watch a game because you're rooting for one of the teams. But it's those come-from-behind underdog victories, the unexpected wins that make sports so exciting. And I think Warner, you know, in all of his machinations and his imaginings of using data to really drive this, he forgot the human element. And and that pride is sort of also what Ali carried with himself for so long. You know, in his – you mentioned his autobiography before. One of the things he wrote was about this fight. He said, I saw myself on the ropes being destroyed by Marciano. In one of the, quote, artistic endings, few actors could equal. But some people thought it was real. Some sat stone still. Some booed and yelled. Some cried. I felt like I had disappointed millions all over the world. It left me ashamed of what I'd been doing. I'd gone over the country promoting the series as fair and accurate, especially the Marciano v. Ali show. Man, that's heavy. That also could be him, you know, trying to, to paint the picture of his situation so that his lawsuit had a ab- legs. Ab- ab- absolutely. No, you're totally right. But well, I will say back to Warner, his sort of blindness to the thing, the magic, the spark that actually makes these events special is so apparent in that quote that we read earlier about how let's like, you know, pit Nietzsche versus Schopenhauer, whoever, like all of these like human, you know, fallible individuals making cases, you know, for their philosophies, like from the heart, like you can't assign a numeric value to that or of a loss or a win. And the fact that he thought that, showed that he was definitely high on his own supply in terms of uh, thinking that this was, like, much more of a clever idea than it actually was. But, you know, this the super fight for as sort of strange and tangential and not really, um, you know, it, it wasn't the future of sports at the time. But you, you still see this today in, like, football matchups. Anytime you're watching a game, the two announcers need something to talk about because football is super boring and takes so long. Side note that they just end up talking about stats of this player versus that player, of this quarterback versus that quarterback, of what they're expected to do versus what they actually do. And uh, I feel like that's half of sports commentary is just talking about the data, and it bores me to tears. Totally. 
And again, we're in fantasy football season, or about to be. We've got a couple of uh, new fantasy football shows launching here on the network. Um, that is not a, a world that I am familiar with, but at least that that does rely on chance, and it does rely on kind of the ability to like pick winners because you can interpret the stats uh, and and then kind of roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, those are podcasts I would listen to. Yeah, because the stats are fallible. I mean, that's the point. There is that human element and that ability to kind of rise above, you know, what the numbers say and kind of give that final push into greatness or whatever. And I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so if you're listening and you're interested in this fight, you can seek it out. You can find a lot of it online. Um, but there was also in 2005 a DVD of the fight came out. And it also included a documentary about the the radio fights and the history behind this and, it's pretty interesting, but the legacy lived on in, in strange ways. I mentioned this earlier in the 2003 film Rocky Balboa, which uh, I don't know. Noel, are you a Rocky fan? Do you, how do you feel about Rocky? I, I think it's a classically good film, um, and I think even like the newer ones from recent years are, are, are pretty great. Yeah, so I mean that's what I'm that, – that's the one I'm talking about. Rocky is I think one of the finest American films of all time, and everyone should see it, and everyone should see it many, many times, and I cry anytime I watch it, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. But uh, Rocky Balboa, which came out in the 2000s, was the sixth film in that series, and it sort of bookended the the career of this boxer, semi-fictionalized boxer that Sylvester Stallone created. So it's set 30 years after the initial fights in Rocky, and Rocky is working in a meat plant. You know, he has his own kind of side gig. It kind of mirrors what Rocky Marciano was going through at the time. So in this 2006 film, Rocky Balboa, the impetus for Rocky coming back into the ring for the, the stallion trying to reclaim his title, uh, mixing some nicknames there, is ESPN pits this aging boxer in his prime against Mason the Line Dixon, a, uh, a boxer who was unpopular, you know, according to the film, but, um, you know, claimed that he could have beaten Rocky Balboa. And so the super fight actually inspired the, the 2006 film Rocky Balboa uh, in sort of this really weird metatextual way in which Rocky kind of relates to Rocky Marciano. There's obviously parallels in the names and in the story about them packing meat and kind of working in that industry on the side, which I will also say uh, Weird Al Yankovic presaged in his in his <laughs> terrific uh, album in 3D from the 80s. You know what I recently rewatched that, that totally held up? Uh, UHF. I have uh, dreams of having a chat one day with our with our uh, colleague Chuck Bryant on Movie Crush about that show. One oh, day. great! You totally should. You don't. That, we can make that dream a reality, dude. I'm <laughs> on that show. Uh, we got to do that. I would U- love. I yeah. would say for UHF is probably the film I've seen more times than any other, except maybe Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. That that explains so much about your personality, <laughs> Christopher. Uh, and speaking of your personality, thank you so much for lending it to us on this episode. This was a lot of fun. It is always available for you. I appreciate. We love filling that Christopher Hasiota-shaped hole in the studio. Uh, big thanks to super producer Casey Pegram. As always, thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Thanks to Ben Bolin, co-host in Absentia, Away on Adventures. Can't wait to have you back, buddy, so we can hear about your uh, your exploits and whether or not you, you made it out of Japan without getting kicked out against your will. Um, big thanks to our research associates, Gabe Luzier and Ryan Barish. Uh, and thanks to you folks out there in podcast land. Uh, we'll see you next time. No, I think this episode was a knockout. I think so, too. Boom. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.